Afternoon, brethren. It's all right, Sister Lauren, you can call it a class. If every sermon is a class when Jesus is present, it teaches us. Today, yet again, we continue to focus on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a blessed continuance. This is the kind of thing that you can always continue in. you got to continue in it. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. He said, he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. I want to continue in that. It's a blessed thing to be taught of Christ and to continue in that teaching. It's always a blessed thing. You know, most things in the world, as you continue in them, they have a tendency to become like boring or monotonous. That's everything that's of this world is kind of like that. Things get old really quick. Think if you ate your favorite meal every single day, it wouldn't take long before you began like thinking of a new favorite. Overindulgence in the things of the world always cause some ill effect to the body and soul. But the things of God are not this way. They are not this way. Jesus is not that way. You cannot overindulge in Jesus. You can't overindulge in the things of God. If you really continue with him, you will become increasingly drawn to him. If you have more of Jesus, you have more blessing. That's fundamentally always the truth. Now, I know that there are some people who who started zealous and on fire for the Lord who are now disinterested in Jesus. This sad state exists. In fact, most of us here personally know someone whom that could be said of. But it wasn't because they got bored with following Jesus. It's because at some point they stopped following Jesus. That's the problem. Something else caught their attention. They were diverted. See, even if it was something that wasn't necessarily sinful, something turned their face from Jesus. Like like Peter, whose face was turned from Jesus on the storm, and he immediately fell, see? You see, all disinterest in Jesus is the result of not being with Jesus. It's the result of a diversion. It's a result of a lack of fellowship. It's not properly seeing him. It's not abiding in him. It's not considering him. It's not contemplating him. It's not thinking about him. It's not being with him. That's that's where the disinterest comes from. Because this is strange. Because this is not where we all started in the faith. We all started with him in view, didn't we? This is where you started, is it not? Think about it. Remember the first time you were hard pressed by the weight of sin and condemnation? You remember that? Mm -hmm. You remember when it dawned upon your soul that God was holy and you weren't? You remember that? Do you remember when you were cut to the heart when you saw who you really were? Do you remember that? A sinner, a wretch. Do you remember that? Do you remember when your conscience was defiled and condemning you and you knew 
that if you had to stand before a righteous and holy God and be scrutinized, you were in big trouble. Do you remember that? Remember the, the urgency that you felt? The weight? Remember that weight? Remember that word of truth that was faithfully delivered to you in that moment? And the compulsion to obey from your heart? Do you remember that? Do you remember when you first believed? Do you remember when you made it to the foot of that cross with that burden on your back like Pilgrim did? Remember when you were at the foot of that cross and you looked at it? Through the eyes of faith for the first time on the blessed Son of God. And that burden rolled away. Do you remember that? Do you remember when your burden rolled away? Do you remember that? Do you remember when you came up out of the water? And you didn't see Elijah and Moses anymore. You saw only Jesus. Do you remember that? Brethren, I hope that you are more in love with Jesus today than you were then. I hope today that can be said of you. This is family talk. This assumes I'm speaking to regenerated people who are living by faith. Today I want you to remember this aspect of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is our first love. He is at the very heart and center of what we do. Not only what we do, why we do what we do. And at the same time, I want to remind you how essential it is for us to keep this first love for him that we have received when we were born into the world see when we were born into the world we latched on to the one who begot us it was our mother our mother begot us we latched on to our mother and in the same way when we were born into the kingdom of god see we we latched on to the everlasting father he he begot us again unto a lively hope See, from the dead, all of Jesus's progeny, see, they cling to him with purpose of heart. Remember when you clung to him with purpose of heart? See, this is this is the love that all believers have at the first. See, right out of the chute, a true burning love, our first love with Christ. And it's hungry And it's desirous and it's eager to receive the things of God. And it's most willing to express itself. See, everybody finds a way and makes the time to express what they love. Everyone is compelled by what they love. An automotive enthusiast makes it known to everyone around him because it's all he talks about all the time. He can't hide it from people. He's got to talk about it. Hey, it's not your break time. Please don't talk about that. That's what I have to tell people. People give themselves to what they love. They live their lives according to what they love. They center and structure their lives around what they love. If they love football, they'll like buy their their team's favorite merchandise and clothing, and they'll deck themselves. They want everybody to know they're that fan because they love it so much. They make themselves available to watch all the games. Some even pay hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars to sit in a freezing cold stadium for hours and still cheer wildly when the game goes into overtime. Why? Because they love it. 
See? And if you really love Jesus with a pure-hearted love, you will also represent him in your life. You'll schedule your life around him. People will notice it. You won't be able to hide it. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Not should not be hid. Cannot be hid. Let your light shine before men. Don't put it. Don't. Nobody lights a candle and puts something over it. They light a candle for light. You were lit by God for light. To shine. You'll gladly sit at the feet of Jesus. At a great, even at a great cost and inconvenience to yourself. Even if it costs you everything that you've got. If you have a love for Jesus, you'll just, you'll just do it. You'll make time for him. You see, mankind was made this way. That the primary reason why he does what he does is because of what's in his heart. He does what he desires to do. He does what he wants to do. See, Solomon even saw this in the limited, in the limited amount of revelation that Solomon had. And it, Solomon didn't have what we have. You know, there's a greater than Solomon that's here, by the way. Right. He, didn't, he only saw things that pertained to, to this world. And this is what he said. He said, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Right. See, even at that little bit of moonlight that Solomon had, he could see the the profundity of this heart matter. Jesus said, a, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaketh. So if a person's got a problem with like trash coming out, it's because they got trash in. That, that's, that's, that's the problem. You know, James said to the, his audience, he said, does a fountain spring forth both filthy water and clean water? Is that? And then he, he went on to say, if a, if a person, you know, seems to be religious, but they don't bridle their tongue, their religion's pretty much worthless. Because if something can't change what you say, how can it change what you are? See? That's what we're looking at here. Our first love. We're talking about Jesus Christ, our first love. The love that we had at the first with Jesus Christ. I want you to remember that. It's the thoughts and intents of the heart that ultimately direct not only what you do, but why you do it. In the judgment, the assessment of your works are not only what is done, but why it was done. And who it was done for. Amen. Many people in the judgment are going to say. Jesus said this. He said. Many will say to me in that day. Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? Now they had done those things. They're saying. Didn't we do, didn't we do this? Look. We did it. We did them. He said. And then I will say. Profess unto them. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The reason behind what they did was not right. Every believer is born with an incredible burst of forward momentum in the spirit. 
Every believer, it's, it's across the board the saying, all shall know me from, from the least to the greatest. See, there's a, there's a forward momentum that you're just, you're just propelled into the kingdom, into a big, bright, unseen world. In it, we've come to Mount Zion. The words of God are not only received with joy, they're not burdensome. God says, do this, and you're said, amen. You say, amen, I want to do that. There's a healthy appetite for the things of God. And as a result, there's an equally healthy hatred of sin. You just don't want to be around what you used to. You hate that now. I used to love that. Now I hate that. Now I don't want anything to do with that. And people might call you insensitive for that, but you're just indifferent to that. You're just not, that's not you. That's, it's not against your religion. It's against your nature. See, it's a big, there's a big difference there. When you were born again, God removed that stony heart out of your flesh. It was stone. It was hard. It was, it was hard and impenetrable and unyielding. He took that out and he, he gave you a, he gave you a heart of flesh, one that's tender and responsive to God. He took that kernel of wheat. Think about a kernel of wheat. It's small and it's narrow and it's hard and it's self-contained and it falls into, if it were to fall into the ground and die, the same see brings forth much fruit. Yeah. See? That's that's what we're talking about. This this new life is an expansive life. Amen. A unique tender heart that that wants to know God, that wants to fellowship with God, that wants to be around God, that loves God's people, loves everything about God. It's obsessed with God, loves God, desires to be taught by the Lord, desires to sit at the feet of Jesus. If you've received a love of the truth, a, it's a spiritual love. See, we're not talking about a fleshly love here. This isn't an intellectual love. That's like an oxymoron, intellectual love. It's not an emotional love, although it certainly can, can affect our emotions. This love is not carnal is what you want to see. It's not a love as the world knows it. But it's, it's as the Spirit of God knows it. This love of Jesus you had at the first, when you first believed, is the compelling force that is initially responsible for a person to for, forsake everything and follow the Lord. Remember that? Remember when it just, nothing mattered. Just, just forsake it all and follow after the Lord. Are you still like that today? Have you still forsaken all to follow after him? It's a love that's attended with a, a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. It's, it's attended by a, a peace that passes understanding. It's attended by a, a clean conscience, by a clean feeling, by a hope, an everlasting hope, expression of eternal life welling up in you. See, this is, this is part of this first love. Jesus is the bridegroom. And we are his bride. This first love is teeming with the anticipation of the day when we're going to be wed to him. See, it looks forward to the time when we shall be like him. For we shall see him face to face. 
Now, some would have us believe that it's normal for a person to come into the kingdom like this, all eager and zealous. That, that like this is something that's just like applied to the youth in Christ only. But there is absolutely nothing, and I want to be emphatic about this. There is absolutely nothing in God's salvation that either allows for this or causes this. There is nothing that the Lord has given that will cause this, brethren. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If a person does not have a love of the truth, they cannot be saved. We're exhorted to keep ourselves in the love of God. Jesus says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. This continuance is not a mere continuance in doctrine, although we gladly continue in it. It's not just a continuance in the work and in the labor or in the patience or in the suffering. Or in the trials, although we do gladly continue in these things, that's not the continuance of your first love. This is continuance of a love, a deep, deep-seated love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we live in a time where many people in the church have sadly left their first love. That could mean, in the best and most charitable terms, that they have some love for Jesus, but they don't love him like they first did. However, this is not an acceptable condition before God. God will not accept 95%. God will not accept 98 or 99%. He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy mind, with all of thy strength. And we say amen. See, those who are born again say amen. I want to do that. This is a condition. See, it's God. That condition has to be remedied. God loves the son. And he will not accept anyone who does not zealously love and prefer him with all of their heart. Keep in mind that Jesus told a Christian church that he was against them. Because they had left their first love. That's a pretty serious thing for Jesus to be against his church. Serious condition. Satan has devised schemes in order to draw men away from the Son of God of their own will. We are exhorted to take heed. Take heed now. Pay attention to what I'm saying. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Take heed. He says... Pay attention to this, lest there be found in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Take he, give the more earnest heed, as our brother ministered to us last week. There is not just one simple cause for this. See, Satan is he's, he's subtle. For some, they didn't put away that one sin. That easily besets us. For some that was the cause. For others. They made wicked associations. They made. Maybe they befriended people that don't love the Lord. And it says. Evil communications corrupt. Good manners. Others. 
have become distracted by the things of the earth, been drawn away. There might not even be things that are in and of themselves sinful, but they sap your energy. See, they sap your, your focus from focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. There is always a, there's always a pull in the opposite direction. See, we, we live in a sinful world. We live in a world where there's the flesh and there's the devil and there's principalities and powers in high places. This world is known as, a pre, as the present evil world. Yeah. And we even have uh, uh, the law of sin and death that's written on our members in this body. And it's, it's warring against the, the, the law of liberty in our minds. See, it's, there's, it's warring against. If you launched a rocket into the air and turned the engines off midway your acceleration would slow and you would begin to fall back to earth because there is another force acting upon that rocket, the force of gravity. When you were born again, you were oriented towards Jesus and that first love propelled you towards him. However, if you quit focusing on Jesus, the pull of this present evil world will cause you to lose your momentum. See, spiritual life is intended to increase. It's intended to progress. You, you are intended to grow up into Christ in all things. It's intended to go from strength to strength, as the psalmist would say. Or it's intended to go from glory to glory. You're transformed from one stage of glory to another stage of glory. How? By beholding with an open face, see, the glory of the Lord. Where we behold the Son of God with an open face. See, there's nothing between. With an open face, we behold him. See, Satan's subtle. Our enemy, he's subtle. Yes. The definition of subtle is something that's just not easily discernible. It's just a tiny little... If I was in a plane and I was going to Hawaii from here, I could be a... Ten thousandth of a degree off and be off miles by the time I I'm, I'm, got to my destination, supposed destination. And that's how the Satan is. He's subtle. He's a subtle enemy. His goal may not be to influence you towards an entirely forsaking Jesus. Just overthrowing your faith and say, I quit. That might not be his ultimate goal. He's subtle. What if he could just... Get Jesus not to be dominant in your affection anymore. Or be not, be pre, pre, not be predominant in your thinking anymore. What if he could just do that? How effective will that be? Well, I'll tell you how effective it was. Jesus said, I have somewhat against thee. Thou hast left thy first love. And he told him to repent. See? The church of Ephesus. Look at what they were commended for. This is a Revelation chapter 2. They were commended for their works. They weren't idle. They weren't just sitting around doing nothing. They were involved. They were involved. They were active and involved. He he said, I know your works. I know all about it. They weren't idle. They were busy working. He said, I know your labor. These weren't just menial works. They had born birth. It It was hard work. They worked hard for God. And he, and he commended them for their patience. They continued doing it. They didn't just do it on the weekend and live their life for the rest of the week however they wanted to. They were seriously committed to working this hard work. 
He commended him for it. They couldn't bear those who are evil. It doesn't say they couldn't bear what evil people did. It doesn't say that. It says that he couldn't, they couldn't bear them that are evil. You know, they would rebuke churches that say things like, love, love the sinner, hate the sin. They would, they would actually rebuke. They would rebuke somebody for saying that. They, they hated the person, the, the evil. They, they couldn't bear the evil person. They couldn't bear to be around them. Jesus commended them for it. They have tried, they tried those who spoke in the name of the Lord, who brought a teaching. They, they scrutinized it and they, they put it up against the word of God and they said, uh-uh, that's a lie. And Jesus commended them for it. And not only did they say it was a lie, they found them to be liars. They like discovered them. They, they discovered an enemy within their, within their midst. They discovered them. They found them to be liars. But what they lacked outweighed all of that. The thing that they lacked, it outweighed all of that. Because they were doing it apart from a pure and devoted love towards Christ. And you'll find that's very much the truth today. Those who have turned their attention from their first love, who may even be just... Meticulous about our doctrine. Meticulous about our creed. We have the official religion. Meticulous about what they teach. But not meticulous about who they teach for. You'll just note this. These people are almost completely void of compassion. And they're almost completely void of being noted for a strong love for the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the remedy? What's the remedy? If you find yourself in that kind of a condition, what's the remedy? We don't just want to say that there's this condition where a person can leave their first love and not hold out the same remedy that the Lord Jesus Christ held out. He said, repent. If today you find that you don't love Jesus as much as you used to, repent. Repent. He always offering it. He says, I'm, I've, I've offered everything that I can offer to you. Mm-hmm. He said, my arms are open. Yeah. He said, come home. Amen. Come home. Amen. Repent. He, he's given space to repent. See how gracious and merciful the Lord is. And he said, and do the first works. Yeah. Do that like you did when you first did it for me. Amen. When you did that, was it... Really, for me? For me? When you went to church last Sunday, did you really do that for me? When you took the Lord's Supper, did you do it for me? When you read your devotional this morning, was it for me? When you told others about me, was it, was it for me? Was it for me? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Our love is for Jesus is refreshed and renewed by gazing at a captivating Jesus. He's altogether lovely. You know, there's absolutely nothing about the person of Christ that's uncomely. 
There's no ugliness in him. It's all, it's perfection. It's beauty. He's absolutely flawless. We love him. See, we love him because he first loved us. Everything that he did was beautiful. He laid down his life for us. He died for us. He really suffered for you. He really, he was, he's real. He really suffered throughout the gate. He says, put your hands, put your fingers in these holes. I'm real. He really bled for you. He really died for you. Do you remember? Do you remember when you were smitten by the reality of your sin and fled to the Lord and found that he was tender and merciful and loving? Do you remember when, like the prodigal son, you went back to the father expecting only to be a servant but being received as a son? Do you remember that? Do you remember when he ran, when he saw you coming? Do you remember when he embraced you and and he said, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Do you remember the day when you began to be merry? I remember the day. I remember the day, that hymn we sung this morning, Fairest Lord Jesus. Fair are the meadows and the woods and the spring and the sun and the moon and the stars and the heavens and all the angels. But Jesus shines brighter. Jesus shines purer. See, think about all of the songs that we sung today. Think about dwelling in Beulah land. Think about the church's one foundation. Think about these songs that we sang. These are heart language, brethren. This is heart language. Mm -hmm. We need sound doctrine preached. We need to test all things. We need to labor for the Lord. You need to do those things. But we also need to speak the things that minister to each other's hearts. We're having a heart-to-heart with the brethren, see? I'm having a heart-to-heart with you, brother. I'm having a heart-to-heart. He said, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. What is that? It's heart language. We shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. What is that? It's heart language. It's a love that while you muse upon the word of God, the fire burns within. It's a burning love. And it, it, it's bur- it just burns bright in your inner man. Do you have that burning love in you today? Do you have it in you today? Praise God. It, it, can, it can be bigger. We can love Jesus more. I'm thankful that, I, that standing here today, I can confess I can love him more. Each day he grows still sweeter than he was the day before. Do you remember the day you were born? Born in the light, so bright and so warm. Do you remember our sweetest Lord Jesus? 
He was all that we saw. There was nothing between us. Softly and tenderly, so sweet and so kind. He was all that we ever thought of inside of our mind. The joy was unspeakable and his love so compelling. This we could not contain in every man we were telling. Of his deep loving kindness we never deserved. How he took all our sins and our conscience he purged. And although we returned as a servant and so wary, he made us his sons and we began to be merry. Oh, the deep love of Christ that we all had at the first. Do you have it today, that deep love from your birth? Since its dawning has grown, is it wider and deeper? Are you longing for a home to be with your Redeemer? Because it's not what you do that carries the weight. But why is the reason we labor and wait? We work for the Lord, not just something we do. We're not working for a what. We're working for a who. I'll live for him who died for me. How happy then my life shall be. I'll live for him who died for me, my Savior and my God. Confess it with me this morning. I'll live for him who died for me. How happy then my life shall be. I'll live for him 